Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike as we navigate topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. If you'd like to hear more, head to nwaybway.com. Hello, hello, Narrowway to Broadway. I almost said good morning because it's morning here, but I realized that you might not be listening in the morning. But nonetheless, hello, hello. So happy <laughs> that you are here for this interview. Um, I I don't know why I'm just like particularly like emotional about getting to dive back into doing interviews for season five. Ashley and I just prayed together. Um, but today we have Ashley Lalonde on the pod. She's currently, which her interview will probably come out after the show is closed, but she's currently playing Natalie in Next to Normal, which is amazing. But I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about that process. So Ashley, say hello to the people. Hello, people. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Wow. I'm, I'm yes. really excited to chat and very, very honored to be here. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, we're so excited. And I think one thing I'm particularly excited for is, so for those of you who don't know, if you don't listen or, you know, whatever, if, the, if you're new, um, I always like to ask our guests sort of what the Lord is like doing in their heart and in their life so that we can pull from what is f- top of mind. Um, and Ashley put forth a few like topics that a lot of our listeners have been wanting to hear about and discuss. So I'm really pumped. And one of the things, and we'll just, we'll just dive right into it, is sort of like this discernment process for actors and creatives about mm. what projects they will take. So one thing that really stuck out to me, Ashley, in in your kind of um, when you talk, when you like sent this email, you said, um, I think the Holy Spirit whispers discomfort into our hearts around certain roles, themes, or stories. And that's a good thing that we shouldn't ignore. So I'd love for you to kind of talk about this experience. You said this was a really fresh um sort of message from the Holy Spirit that you had this past weekend. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that and and why that was communicated to you. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Emma. I think you're right that um, as a Christian, as an actor, um, you're just navigating a little bit of a different set of questions, um, maybe than some of your peers. And uh, I mean, every performer wants to think about what kind of career do I want to build? What kind of stories do I want to tell? Um, how do I want to like make a mark in our industry? And the tricky reality is that often, especially toward the beginning of your career, you don't have a lot of say because you're just kind of scrounging for opportunities. And yeah. the name of the game is you're auditioning, hopefully for a lot of different things. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get like 1% of the things that you audition for, right. if you're lucky. And so I think this question um, was something that I honestly didn't think about for many years. And I remember in my last semester of college, uh, the woman who was discipling me, uh, my college pastor, she was absolutely incredible. And her husband actually used to be an actor. So she had particular insight into this. And she, for the first time, brought up this question to me um, that now over the last couple of years I've been mulling over. And I think this past weekend, I definitely felt God kind of speaking into this question but the question of you know what stories will you tell and what stories will you not tell and what kinds of you know and that's 
What kinds of themes are you okay with? What kinds of like literally physical actions are you okay doing or not doing on stage or on set or on film? Um, What kinds of roles? And, you know, for a Christian, it might be all sorts of different kind of the nitty gritty questions, like different things related to sex. Are you willing or not willing, whether it's a kiss or a hand somewhere or maybe a full scene in bed? There's also questions around um, you know, portraying other kinds of behaviors, um, other kinds of sin, other kinds of, there's just so, I mean, you guys have seen TV, you've seen things on stage, you know, there's a whole breadth of, uh, different actions that could be portrayed. So that's a really tricky question. And that's something, um, Emma, you know this, but I'm a newlywed. And so that's something even my husband and I are talking about is like, right. oh, what's what's the line in terms of right. portraying romance? Um, what right. are we okay with and what are we not okay with? Um, right. And that's a decision that we even make together. Um, right. But even more broadly than that, like what is the overall message of this story or this character? Mm-hmm. And am I okay with it? All that yeah. to say this is a set of questions I've definitely been grappling with for a while. And I do feel like the Holy Spirit kind of gave me a fresh revelation actually on Easter morning when I wasn't even explicitly thinking about it. And the four core values that I feel like the Lord was revealing were uh, beauty, truth, joy, and redemption. And these core values, I think, are now going to fall at the center of my discernment when it comes to Mm -hmm. projects, roles, and stories I want to work on or tell or even put myself up for an audition. Because Mm -hmm. I think also in the industry, sometimes there's the mindset of you should just be, you're thankful to be here, lucky to be here, lucky to have an audition. And yes, like that is all true. Opportunities are hard to come by in our industry. And also, even though they're hard to come by, you are allowed to say no, or you're allowed to say, this is not the right thing for me. This Mm -hmm. is not the right thing for my career. You are allowed to say no. Even if you've never been on Broadway or in a movie, you're allowed to say no to a big audition, quote unquote, big audition or a small audition, quote unquote. But um, beauty, truth, joy, and redemption were the four words that God was giving me. And it kind of sparks a set of questions that I think fall at the center of our discernment, particularly as Christian performers, but really anyone I think could connect with these. And the set of questions is, okay, is this story beautiful? Does it add beauty to the world? Um, Is it creating something that is beautiful? And I think one of the things that we forget is that beauty is of God, from God, for God. And so things that are beautiful And I think particularly as artists, whether you're a visual artist or performing artist or a musician, you get to interact with beauty in a special kind of way that people in other career paths may not um, kind of tangibly interact with. And so, yeah, asking the question of beauty and if something is beautiful, then like, yes and amen to that. That is so good. And beauty can look like all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, The second core value I think that the Holy Spirit was revealing is truth. So Mm -hmm. does something reveal the truth? Does it highlight a truth about the world or about God's character or about your life or about, you know, the reality of like brokenness in the world? And so, you know, is there a truth that is being revealed, highlighted, made clear through this story, through this character's narrative? And if yes, yes and amen to that. 
then joy. Joy is a beautiful thing. We know it's a fruit of the spirit. Um, it is like a beautiful part of our experience on this earth and then in the earth and the heaven to come. Um, but does this story, you know, bring joy to the world? Does it bring mm-hmm. joy to audiences? Does it bring joy to you? Is it joyful for you to engage with this story, with this role, with this part? And if yes, that's amazing and that's beautiful. Um, and then the last question of redemption, is this story redemptive? Does it reveal something about the redemptive arc of the universe? Does it tell a story of reconciliation, of salvation, both like, I mean, in the literal spiritual sense, but also just in like the human sense? Is it a story of restoration um relationships being restored something that points to hope something that points to um our future and things being all things being restored and renewed Mm -hmm. um does it you know talk about reconciliation either in the inner self between groups of people um between family members between god and then person so all that to say those set of questions, beauty, truth, joy, and redemption, I think can be four anchors for particularly a Christian actor or performer. And I believe if you can say yes to any of those questions, then that is probably a powerful and honoring story for you to tell as an actor and particularly as a believer. Um, And now reflecting kind of back on my career and back on different auditions and opportunities, I can say, oh, yes, like this project was one that revealed truth, that revealed Mm -hmm. brokenness, that revealed um, kind of the hardship and the reality of life on this side of eternity. Or I can say, oh, wow, that that show was just joyful. You know, that show, (laughs) that show was joyful. That show (laughs) was joyful, Um, you know, rhyming. Um, But I can Mm -hmm. say, oh, yes, that show brought joy to me as an actor and as a human getting to do it with that group of people in that space. And it, you know, made the audience laugh. And that's a good thing. Um, Or I can look at things and say that was beautiful. Or honestly, right now with Next to Normal, uh, it's such a story of redemption. uh, Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely a joy for me as an actor to participate in it. I wouldn't say the show itself, for those who know, it's not particularly joyful, but it is particularly hopeful. And it does tell the story of restoration and hope and reconciliation. And yes, things may continue to suck and yet there's still hope, uh, which is totally the gospel. It's like, yes, things will be hard on this side of eternity we yeah. see it every day, particularly in the last couple of years. We've seen it. Things are hard every time we think things are getting better. Right. For some reason, they seem to not or a new thing comes up, yeah. new war, new violence, new virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we still have hope and yet there is still beauty. So right. it's been uh, really special telling that story in particular right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like you mentioned before, I think there's also even apart from kind of being able to like check these boxes or say, okay, yes, this story has beauty and truth or joy and redemption. Uh, I think there is also the the personal intimacy with God that Mm -hmm. hopefully as an actor, 
you are actively praying over your career and not just like, God, give me, you know, good luck in this audition tomorrow. Yeah. That's a good, I pray that please. Uh, mm-hmm. But also just praying like, God, how do you want to use me in this industry? And mm-hmm. what does it look like um, for me to like serve you and honor you even in my audition process? What does it look like to be fully surrendered or, yeah. you know, yesterday I had a big callback and I had a big mess up, a big flub in the middle of it. And I was pretty upset. I was, but I also was like, you know what, Lord, if this is the project that you have for me, then my big flub doesn't matter. (laughs) And even if it's not the project you have for me, it still doesn't matter because you're still in control. You're still sovereign. And now if I do end up getting that project I'll know it was a hundred percent from you because in my own strength I messed it up you know yeah totally Um, yeah and that's also the beauty of it and even in my audition process for next to normal I actually missed the deadline twice to submit my initial (laughs) soft tape (laughs) because it was right around my wedding and uh there was just also some miscommunication and craziness with my uh, reps and they were they were wonderful and they totally fought for me um but all that to say I messed it up twice Mm -hmm. and God was still like no this is actually the project I have for you and the story I want you to tell in this season so thank you Jesus because I messed it up uh but I do love those moments because it's like I can't even try and take credit for it because Mm -hmm. I actually messed it up And I do think those are beautiful moments um, when God's like, I'm not even going to let you take a, like, pretend and feign that this was all in your power because it was in my power. Um, And so I think that's also in your personal relationship with God, allowing him to speak into your career, allowing him to give you either peace or discomfort over different projects is a beautiful thing. And I think that kind of visceral gut discomfort mm-hmm. that we're often like, oh, is that just like anxiety? Sometimes it is totally right. anxiety manifests physically for most people. Yeah. Um, but also just being really attuned to is this God telling me like this is not for me right now mm-hmm. or that this mm-hmm. would not honor him? And even I think a big question that I was grappling with is, well, maybe I do this one project that does make me kind of uncomfortable or this one role that I feel like is just offensive to my spirit or to God or to other people. Maybe yeah. I do it just to like get the credit and then we get through yeah. it and then I get to be more picky and then I can be more choosy once, you know, I have more credits under my name right. and more people know who I am, et cetera. Um, but God doesn't need you to dishonor him to get to a place of honoring him. No, and no. he's also not going to call you into something that is explicitly dishonoring to him so if you're in a position it's probably not from him and so being able to also have the humility to release things that are not from him and say you know this is this is not my thing right now and that's okay (laughs) and that if he's called you to this career he'll provide opportunities one way or another that build his kingdom and that are honoring and that do add beauty and joy and truth and redemption to the world. Yeah, that's so true. You know, wow, there's so much there that I'm like so excited to talk about because I think (laughs) it reminds me of the part um, where you talked about like, what is the story that I want my life to tell? And 
it reminds me of the song by Maverick City called The Story I'll Tell. And I mm. love that the um, the bridge says, and I'll testify of the battles you've won, how you are my portion when there wasn't enough. And I'll testify of the seas that we've crossed, the waters mm. you parted, the waves that I've walked. And the chorus is, oh, my God did not fail. Oh, it's the story I'll tell. Oh, I know it is well. Oh, it's the story I'll tell. And mm. I love so much of what you just said, I think will resonate with so many people, particularly what you just said, the last part, because I think a lot of our listeners are younger in their career. They're finding that as the industry develops in this like current cultural moment, more art is being developed that, and, and not, this is like a generalization, but more art is being developed that is like, ugh, like kind of invokes that like conviction in us. And mm. it's so interesting. And I feel like the Lord always does this. But every I was reading this morning in my reading for um, just my reading in reading through the Bible. And in First Samuel 16, this hit me so hard. Um, but so, you know, Saul is like this horrible king, right? And then mm -hmm. Samuel, this righteous man, goes to find the next king of Israel. And he goes to Jesse's house. And Jesse has these seven – he has eight sons, but he presents Samuel with seven sons. He's like, here are all my sons the oldest to the to the almost youngest and david is the youngest and he's out in the field like herding sheep and <laughs> then god says to samuel he's like no none of these are the next king of israel tell him to go get the son who's herding sheep and then david is anointed as the king right then and there as the youngest son yep. in front of all of his brothers and then it's so amazing because in the next chapter so it's like david has been anointed king at this point and then saul it says that the spirit of God leaves Saul and that he's actually tormented by an evil spirit. And the only thing that can like quench him to feel better is for David to come all the way from Bethlehem to play the liar in Stephen, like, or in Saul's presence. And then it says in First uh, Samuel 17, it said that David went back and forth to play the harp for Saul and to mm. feed his father's sheep. And I think all that to say, I think that applies so much in that, in the a phrase that the Lord I feel like a phrase that the Lord has given me for the last few months in us searching for a house and, and me kind of navigating this career shift and all this stuff has been like, what's meant for you won't miss you. Mm -hmm. And there are these hard decisions that we have to make as creative, as creatives and as actors of like, ugh, it's slim pickings. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I need to just compromise in this one way. So hopefully I can get mm -hmm. my foot in the door. But then yep. I think it brings up all these questions of like, wait, but what am I worshiping here? And and also like, mm -hmm. why am I even doing this? I think it reveals a lot yep. in our heart about like, oh, wait, am I yep. doing this for me? Because if I'm just trying to get my foot in the door to get my foot in the door, what kind of room am I, do I even care to be in? <laughs> and I think that that's yep. really, it's and it's really sad. I mean, I remember, it's so interesting how God works. I remember right when, right before my fiance and I got engaged, like there were these there was a string of projects that I, um, there were like film projects. It was for this new show that was going to be coming out or for three new shows that were coming out in Chicago. Cause Chicago is like, has this new facility. There's like a boom in film and TV. One was for mm. the show that's being like produced by Elizabeth Moss. One was for a show that was going to be produced by 50 cent. And I got called in for two different roles with the show for 50 cent. And all three of those projects, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so stoked. This is amazing. And then I like opened the script and I'm like, I can't do this. Like I, mm. I don't know. And it's hard too, because I think especially when you're at the beginning of your career and this has always been this way, 
all of the roles it feels like for guest stars or for like um, the appearances that aren't on the show very much. So reserved basically for people who are building up their careers. It's all like, it seems like a lot of it is like really degrading work. Like it's a lot of like one, you know, the person who the lead character has a one night stand with or the person Mm. who's there, like, I don't know, ruining someone's marriage or something like that. And I just remember like (laughs) opening the script, this character had no lines. It was just like her basically like having sex with this guy. And I was like, you know, I just can't do it. And it felt so hard (laughs) because I was like, yeah, "Yeah, it was just not for me. And I think that it was, it was a hard decision because I was like, dang, like this is a big show that's going to be running here for a while. I like love Elizabeth Moss. Obviously I think her writing or her Mm -hmm. like production is really cool. I'm like interested in her functioning in this new role. But then I remember just being like, if I looked back at (laughs) myself doing that or if like my kids watch this one day if like the lord allows us to have kids like do i want to tell my kids like no you can't watch the show that mom was in like <laughs> so yeah. i don't know all that to say i think that there is so much to be said about focusing on what the lord has called us into in the moment like literally david herding sheep or feeding the sheep of his field he wasn't even focused on like kingly things. And I think that if we posture ourselves in that same way of like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to do what I know you've called me to do. And mm-hmm. I'm going to trust that like what's meant for me is not going to miss me. Um, even if none of the projects I auditioned for in the next six months are any anywhere near beautiful, truthful, like redemptive or joyful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that probably applies to a lot of people and it's hard. And I actually wanted to ask you like in a really tangible way, have you had conversations like with your with your reps about this, about like, hey, don't even bother sending me in for these certain things or these certain um, – like these are kind of my boundaries so that they can know that in knowing what to send you in for or is it more of like a case-by-case basis that you evaluate these things on? Yeah, that's a great question. And the practicality of it is important and the communication. I, for me with my reps, I have said, I'm not doing nudity and I'm not doing sex scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, So anything that involves either of those things, I'm just don't, there's no reason to submit me because that is like crossing my personal boundary with it. Um, There are things that are more nuanced. I said, I'm definitely open to doing like romantic characters or even Natalie next to normal. She has a boyfriend right. and, you know, Natalie and Henry kiss throughout the show right. um, and have a sort of like juvenile, um, more kind of innocent romantic moments. Not, you know, yeah. it's not one person's lying on top of the other naked in bed. It's yeah. nowhere near that. Right. And so for me, that was kind of the very hard and fast boundary that I gave them particularly around sex stuff of mm-hmm. hey I I don't want to be in a sex scene and I don't want to show my body mm-hmm. in that way on tv or on stage so that was right. the hard and fast rule um anything th- then there's like a gray area of course right. of things where it's like well it's not a sex scene or it's not nudity but it's like you are still showing a lot and those I really take more case by case um yeah um, you know, okay, this character has romance with this other character. Like, there's not a sex scene yet, but is it something that the writers want to put in the next episode? Or, right. um, you know, and 
with also with those things, I think that's where the personal discernment from God comes in, you know, is, yeah. okay, Lord, like, or, or even speaking to Natalie, because that's what I'm doing right now. Like, Natalie does a bunch of drugs in the show. Right. Um, and that's something that, like, I personally don't do in my normal life as Ashley. But mm-hmm. I think believing that her story is one also of redemption. It's one right. of truth. It's one of um, mental illness and um, family dysfunction and depression mm-hmm. and anxiety and PTSD yeah. and all of these things that are just real and truthful Um, and telling her story has honestly been even illuminating for me to better understand um, why, why people end up in certain places or make certain decisions um, from a place of like empathy and compassion as opposed to from a place of like distance or avoidance. So it's actually yeah. been really beautiful to step into her shoes and say, Oh, I absolutely not just understand, but feel for why yeah. someone would make that decision or go down yeah. a certain path um, and not from a place of like judgment or being above it. And that's something that I also mm. really strongly believe that if you are at a place, or I'll speak, I'll speak for myself, but I never want to get to a place in my faith or in my own personal journey or maturity where I say, I would never do that. Like, I'm so right. above it. You're not above it. I'm not above it. Right. None of us is above it. All have mm-hmm. sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, when Jesus talks about lust or anger, he says, if you have anger in your heart for someone else, paraphrase it's like you've murdered them. If you are lusting after someone else, it's like you've slept with them. Um, And I think he makes those points to show us that you're not better than or more holy than someone else or more loved um, because also that's not how grace works. Um, It is extremely egalitarian in nature in the sense that all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short, and all of us can receive grace, all of us can yeah. receive forgiveness, all of us can be redeemed, no one is too far gone. Mm-hmm. So whether your story is more like Natalie's, where, not to give too many spoilers, but I feel like a lot of people are familiar with Next to Normal, she ends up experimenting with a lot of like pills and harder drugs. Mm-hmm. And she's also not too far gone from redemption. And that's part of right. her story. And Next to Normal yeah. is that she does her relationship with her mom, her dad, and her boyfriend, Henry, are all restored by the end of the show. And it's yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah. But that's all to say, I think for me, it's been helpful to not make too many broad strokes about yeah. with in, uh, in relationship with my agents and what I tell them to not mm-hmm. say, I don't want to do anything related to this or anything related to that, because every story is nuanced and different. And God yeah. might want to use it. And so that's yeah. to say it, it's a fine line. I think as each, as an individual, it's important to sit down and say, what is a hundred percent off limits? And then yeah. what is like potentially a gray area? Mm-hmm. Um, or I actually, when I was 18, so now many years ago, mm-hmm. I played Sally Bowles in a production of Cabaret. And yeah. Sally is someone who has like just such a tragic story yeah. and also, um, is related to drugs and there's pregnancy loss and there's there's a lot of things that happen in her story um 
that are hard. And yeah. I'm so grateful I got to play that role. And so it's all to say, I guess this yeah. is this has become a longer thing because I just I do think there's a lot of nuance. For yeah. me, the only kind of hard and fast boundary I gave my agents is I'm not gonna have sex or be nude on screen or on stage. Yeah. Um, and then there's a big gray area. And I think that's the prayer area, really. Yeah, it's the yeah. prayer, discernment, and being willing to surrender that area to say, Lord, if I get an audition for this, like, give me the strength and the courage to be able to say no if your spirit mm-hmm. is whispering discomfort and give yeah. me the courage and discernment to say yes, if this is something you would have for me. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. And and then I think, and this actually um, transitions us nicely into kind of our next discussion topic, which is like, so there's the story that we're discerning, right? There's this, what is the story that I am deciding to either participate in and or, or not, which is like the content, right? The content of, of the stories, these these pieces of art. And then there's also like the story that our life tells, which is more akin mm-hmm. to the lyrics I just read for that for that yeah. song of like, what is the story that my life tells? Once I decide, okay, yeah, I'm going to tell the story of next to normal. What is the story that my life is going to tell while I'm there, while I'm in rehearsals, while I'm like interacting with my castmates? And I think that comes to this, you know, for some people really like scary word of like evangelism. So like totally you, you have some, some themes that you sent me that are so cool about evangelism and, and they were um, belonging before believing radical welcome creating space through active listening and first things first. So I would love for you to kind of like touch on that. I know that there's sort of this like negative connotation with evangelism, of course, like there would be, but I would love to hear, yeah, just more about this. Cause I think this is something we've talked about on the podcast of like, let your life be a testimony, let how you talk to people and how you treat people be this sort of like almost secondhand evangelism, but what does it look like to evangelize within our industry? Like what is the story that you want your life to tell while you're on this contract telling the story that you said yes to? Yeah, those are all great questions. And it really is something I'm passionate about. I think there's like a fundamental misunderstanding of what the word evangelism even means. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it is related to a lot of sort of like systemic failures in the church and Um, a lot of of misunderstanding and abuse and manipulation. And so I think you're right that that word feels very scary because it's misunderstood. And when you literally break down the roots of the word, it's about sharing good news. It's not about converting people. It's not about getting people who don't go to church to go to church or getting people to call themselves Christians or read the Bible. Uh, All of those things can in theory happen and can be good. Um, and can be beautiful. But evangelism is about sharing good news. So what does it look like for your life to be one that shares and brings good news to people? And that I think is really at the center of it is not focusing because also your, (laughs) your words, your actions, you are not going to be the one or the reason why someone suddenly starts believing in Jesus or knowing God. Uh, God is going to be the one why (laughs) God will be the reason that someone comes to know him. God will be the reason, the rhythm, the everything. And so decentering yourself 
is I think the number one thing that really needs to happen is often we end up centering ourselves and we say, it's my responsibility to do X, Y, and Z. And then it becomes um, very robotic in a sense and very inhuman. Um, But when you focus on Am I like living with the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is revealing who God is by living with these fruits and also by living openly. I think I often have conversations with Christians in the industry or really in any industry where there aren't a lot of believers and there's like so much fear and anxiety and nervousness over even just saying like, oh, I go to church on Sundays. Uh, And I think that one is like a thing that the enemy tries to stir up in us to keep us kind of like quiet and ashamed. Um, But I think remembering that like your relationship with God is like all of your other relationships, but maybe the most important relationship. And so, you know, my husband, Noah, I talk about Noah all the time because I love Noah and Noah's a huge part of my life. And I do stuff with Noah every day and we live together. So he's just a big part of my life. So anyone who knows me, knows that I love Noah. I want Jesus to be the same way in my life. Anyone who knows me would know that I love Jesus because Jesus is a big part of my life. Like I spend time with Jesus every day, or at least I try to. Mm -hmm. I talk to Jesus all the time. Like Jesus has a big influence on my person and my character Mm -hmm. and my mindset. And so Mm -hmm. if you're getting to know me by way of knowing me, you're getting to know a little bit about my relationship with God just because it's a huge part of my identity. And so I think even switching that mindset to be like, oh, in the same way that like, if you have a best friend or a romantic partner and people are getting to know you, they'll hear about your best friend or your partner because they're getting to know you and this person is a part of you. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, Jesus is a part of you. And if people get to know you, they'll get to know him by way of you. Um, And that your character, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and being formed, will Mm. reveal God's character, hopefully. Um, All that to say, yes, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about what evangelism is. um, But I think the beauty of our industry in particular is that people are very in tune with their emotions and their spirituality um, in our Mm -hmm. industry. I think, and this is a generalization, but I think much more than in other industries. Uh, Part of it, I think, is art opens up a window to the soul in a different way. And I also think the kind of people that like storytelling are the kind of people who are more introspective and love humanity. And I think all of those things just make us more willing to kind of engage with the deeper depths of our spirit. And so one thing that I've just found is that people, actors are like really uh, much more open to talking about faith and spirituality than I think a lot of the broader public. I think they're already asking a lot of the questions. I'm already asking a lot of questions. Like we're all just asking those questions by way of what we do for a living or what we do um, that we love doing. Um, But I think a few core themes, like you mentioned, um, these are some things that I really hold fast to when I think about what is my, what is the story that my life tells? How can I be an amazing friend? People are not problems to be fixed. They're, you know, they're people to be loved and God loves every single actor. God loves every single person that you've worked with, regardless of their beliefs or their identity, um, 
And that is beautiful and good. And I think I also want to remember, and this is an aspect of humility, is that there are spiritual things and truths about the world or even about the gospel that other people can teach me regardless of whether they're Christians or not. And I think sometimes Christians get up a little bit on a high horse of like, we know the truth. And so no one else can have any spiritual wisdom. And that's just not true. And you don't even see that in the Bible. And so Mm -hmm. putting yourself in a place of humility and surrender of like, oh my gosh, every single person I'm working with is made in the image of God. They bear God's image. So like, what is something that my castmate or my director or the stage manager can teach me about the character of God and the reality of the world that I might not know yet? And so putting your place, uh, just putting yourself in a place of humility and surrender and that God can speak through all sorts of different people in different ways, including you. And so also believe that God can and will speak through you. And that's beautiful. But yeah, a few core principles that I, I really stick to are um, belonging before believing. And I think this is something that every church, every body of believers, every Christian community should put at the forefront. And I also take this a little bit from Alpha. I don't know if you're familiar with Alpha. Alpha is like an awesome ministry for those who don't know it. And their whole thing is creating spaces for people Mm -hmm. of any background, of any Mm -hmm. belief or no belief at all, to gather together and have spiritual conversations and ask anything, no judgment. Uh, What we always say at Church of the Cities Alpha is like no right or wrong answers. It's just Mm -hmm. a free and safe space. Alpha is personally like one of my favorite things of all time, (laughs) period, just in general. Because one, I've seen how it's like open doors for people, like doors on their own spirit that they didn't even know were there. I've seen people like have major encounters with God through it. And I've also just seen people experience like community and joy through it. Yeah, so belonging before believing has kind of been a core value of Alpha. I've tried to make it a core value of my life is that people do not have to believe in order to belong um, in your life, in the church, um, in a community, etc. And Mm -hmm. so creating a space that doesn't, that's unconditional, really. Unconditional in its welcome, unconditional in its belonging, saying, of course you belong at this Bible study or in this church or in my home or in my life, Yeah. regardless mm-hmm. of what you believe right now or yeah. ever. <laughs> uh, because yeah. that's, that's how Jesus was. And so yeah. really thinking about how did Jesus interact with people when he was walking this earth? Did mm-hmm. he say, no, you don't have all of the right theological beliefs right now. So therefore get out of my presence. No, no. He sat and ate dinner with people and gathered people regardless of their belief in that present moment. So yes, belonging before believing. And and that really leads right into radical welcome, which is um, a core value of me and Noah's marriage. That's like one of the things that we've been talking about in our first couple months, officially being married and, Um, what is like, what is the theme of our home? And right now it's like radical welcome, uh, which means 
going out of your way to include people that wouldn't necessarily be included or who don't feel comfortable because again that's what Jesus did is he leaves the 99 to go seek the one and so who are people who have been put in your path or put in your life or who come up on your social media or that random person from school or from a class or from a group that you met them one time and they've just kind of come back up on your heart. Maybe that's the person who God's asking you to welcome in right now. And that Mm -hmm. might mean an invitation to dinner at your home or an invitation to church or grabbing coffee or going for a walk or even sending a text that says, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Like, how are you really doing? Is there any way I can pray for you? Um, But this radical welcome of, again, regardless of what you believe, regardless of where you're at, you belong, you are welcome. Yeah. And this is something that, I mean, it, it can be really tangible. And I think it makes yeah. a big difference because a lot of people view church and Christianity as very exclusive and very unwelcoming. Yeah. So how can you flip that narrative on its head? Um, and this also applies to, you know, when you're in a rehearsal room or at an audition, how can you be radically welcoming to people around you Um, which flows right into just creating space through active listening. I think a lot of people also think of, okay, evangelism and like living on mission. Um, I have to have like all the right talking points. And so I need to read every book that Tim Keller wrote and C.S. Lewis wrote and listen to every sermon and podcast. Those are beautiful things. I'm big Tim Keller and C.S. Lewis fan. I love their stuff. I listen, I read it. Um, However, you also see that Jesus was a great listener um, and listening is really powerful and creating space is really powerful. I recently um, ended up having a, going on a walk with a friend who I've worked with and it was kind of a spontaneous thing. And I sensed that God was maybe moving in that moment. And he opened up to me about um, a lot of like church hurt and trauma that he had. Uh, from the church and it was this beautiful moment of being able to create space for someone to share their story to share their experiences and not feeling the immediate need to jump in and correct and suggest and advise and pastor and teach because sometimes when you jump to those places it makes people shrink back inside themselves because you haven't like given them a chance to actually share who they are And I do think Mm -hmm. that often Christians, it's like you hear something and it's like, oh, I have the perfect like response to that. And I can debate that point or I can or even if it's less of about debating or teaching, it can be, oh, well, let me just invite this person to Bible study or church. And sometimes that's not what someone needs right now. Right. Uh, right, right. The church is always great. Bible study is always great. Yeah. But also that might not be the specific thing that they need from you or that God's asking you to do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, God might be just saying, listen, like, hear this person's story, offer yeah. compassion, offer love, offer, yeah. like, welcome. The deepest human need that I think we all have is to be seen and to be known. And Jesus mm-hmm. fulfills that. He sees us and knows us deeply and intimately. Um, but also, maybe you've never experienced that from Jesus or from anyone else. And yeah. so if you, as a Christian, as a friend, as a colleague, um, can provide that, then mm-hmm. like that is a beautiful, beautiful thing to do. Yeah, um, that's so true. And 
And the last piece of that really is this is what I call first things first, which I've also, this is a paraphrase of something that C.S. Lewis talks about, but I think Christians also often want to jump into the kind of the nitty gritty theological stuff uh, mm. before they've even addressed the first things first. First things mm. first, there is a God out there who is powerful and loves you and would do anything to become near to you. Um, mm. And that is beautiful. A God that would do anything to be near to you, like literally mm. become a human and die on a cross. Um, mm. A God that would create a universe and a world out of an overflow of his love and like creative energy. Like that's beautiful. Oh mm. my gosh. And that is the first thing first. There is a God. He created you uniquely and in his image. He loves you. Yeah. He has yeah. a purpose for your life. He desires to be in a relationship with you. He desires for you to be in a relationship with others. That's community. Yeah. That's the people of God. That's church. Yeah. Um, and your life matters and has eternal value. That is the first yeah. thing first. Jesus yeah. died for your sins. First things first. The Holy right. Spirit, the same spirit that hovered over the waters in creation, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available to you. And you can invite yeah. that spirit and you can say, come Holy Spirit. I want to know you, Jesus, come into my life. First things first. Yeah, then that's so there's good. all of these other things. Um, and there's a lot of also different opinions, even within the church about a lot yeah. of these other things from, yeah. you know, spiritual practices like how to take communion or when to get baptized, mm -hmm. um, you know, what kind of church to go to. Then right. there's the even nittier, grittier of like, what does a holy and faithful sexuality look like? Right. Um, right. What what does it mean for like politics and policies and life, all this stuff like there's yeah. and those things, you know, that there are Christians who disagree about a lot of those things. Right. And so we also know that two people can have the Holy Spirit living inside of them and vote differently, practice mm -hmm. like their sexuality differently like there's just nuances there right. and so knowing that you got to get first things first so that's yeah. also to say that Christians we're not the judge and mm -hmm. we're certainly not God and so it is not my place to call out a non-Christian's like sin and say hey you shouldn't be doing that with your life like Repent right. of that and get back in line and live out this way. This person mm -hmm. might not even believe in God, or if they do, they believe in a very different God than you. They may not right. believe the Bible is the word of God. So right. what, like, you have no shared foundation right. to even make that claim with that person. No. It's and not even like if very you do, compelling. It's, it's not compelling. It's usually right. very judgmental, or at least that's the way it's perceived. Right. Um, that's a different thing than if you have like an intimate friendship with someone and you're in yeah. church community or Bible study with them and you are challenging each other spiritually and you're building yeah. each other up or your accountability partners, that's mm -hmm. different. Like that right. Right. relationship has a foundation for you right. to say, Hey, I noticed like this pattern in your life, like, or I noticed that, you know, all sorts of different things. It's very right. different. And that's true whether you're a Christian or not, like the right. closeness that you have with someone and the foundation that you share either mm. gives you authority to speak into their life or, or does not give you authority right. to speak into their right. life. No one wants unsolicited advice 
particularly right. from someone who has a very different worldview and basis for their opinions. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's to say, mm-hmm. keep the first things first. Like if you mm-hmm. and another person are not able to even like agree on, is there a God? Then why right. are you talking about like the nuances of sexual practice and, mm-hmm. you know, abstinence right. or physical boundary and right. all this to say, this is not, about sharing your personal story you should always feel free to share your personal story and your testimony and your own decisions that is beautiful and powerful and um Noah and I chose not to live together before we were married and we also had physical boundaries that we established around sex while we were dating and that's something I share Mm -hmm. really openly I actually did a podcast where I talked a lot about that um Mm -hmm. and that's to say I share really openly about our decisions but that is not me prescribing and condemning anyone else's decisions. It's saying mm-hmm. this was our revelation from God about our mm-hmm. relationship and about the truth that we believe is in the Bible. Um, right, right. And this is not to condemn your decisions. It's not to cast right. judgment on your decisions and that God will speak to people yeah. individually and communally. Um, right. But there's also like a journey that everyone goes on spiritually not even just about sex but about all sorts of different things so honor that someone else might be at a very different place in their journey than you are and Mm -hmm. that's okay we're all at different places in our journeys and you could be following Jesus for a really long time and maybe like you really still struggle with like greed or lying or jealousy and someone else struggles in a different way and that's okay we're all struggling in our own ways and your struggle is not more or less holy than anyone else's struggle struggles a struggle and Mm -hmm. god can redeem and restore and renew anything right totally yeah yeah the first things first has been important right and you know it actually i think and i think it's all kind of like it all weaves together right like first things first uh probably establishes the grounds with which you can operate under the like belonging before believing and then i think one, I love the analogy you gave about, um, like, obviously, I'm going to talk about my husband. Like, I spend time with him and I hang out with him and I love him. So I want people to love him too who know him, who, who don't maybe mm-hmm. don't know him. And he's a big part of my life. And, and that made me wonder, like, okay, what are the, like, what are the things about what if I'm operating under that, like, operating under that same thought for, like, my relationship with Jesus? what does it say about me when I'm scared to talk about my faith? And I think that totally we, that helps us identify some of the core lies that we believe, either that we believe about the Lord, that we believe about faith in general. Like I think one one that like comes to my mind all the time, which is interesting, is like I'm scared that like or, – or not scared, but I think that the lie that the enemy like uses for me is that like people won't like God. Like people mm-hmm. won't – and it's, it's like the same thing. It'd be like – you know, if you're, I think, cause I do think this comes up in like your analogy is like a lot of times if you start dating someone who, you know, is like kind of not great, you don't really <laughs> talk about them in front of your friends. Yeah. Like, especially oh, your friends are like, truth. right. You're like, I'm not going to really talk about them. I don't really think that people will like him, but I like him and he's for me. But then you're kind of like, I don't know. And I think that we do the same thing with the Lord of like, okay, I have this relationship with the Lord. It's like active and working, but like, I don't know, he's, he's maybe not for everyone. And I think that that's where we get into like a little bit of trouble. It's like, whoa, if I just think that people won't prefer Jesus, then I'm not going to talk 
about I'm going to talk about him in a way that really diminishes his power and who he is and Mm. all of his character. It's like, whoa, like, where's my responsibility there? And I think that that's like such a cool analogy is like, why do I have, why is it so easy for me to talk about my best friend and like paint them in this amazing light of like, Mm -hmm. wow, this is what they've done for me in my life. But then what am I believing about the Lord and about my faith if I'm like so hesitant to share um, how the Lord is actively working in my life? And I think that that's like a really cool thing of, of, okay, if I'm going to, and then it also says like, wait, how am I actually investing in my life with this person? Like, I'm not going to really talk about somebody who I don't really know or I'm not really familiar mm-hmm. with. It's like, okay. And then maybe the lie there is that like in order for me to have a faith, in order for me to have a relationship with the Lord, like I don't need to even spend time with him. Then you're like, well, mm-hmm. who are you talking about though if it's someone you're not actively getting to know? Um, and I think that those Girl, are like yes. really good benchmarks. <laughs> so, and I, and I like that. And I also like um, we've been talking about this in like a small group that I'm in is like you cannot you can you can debate things all day long about like the nuance of scripture about interpretation of scripture about denominations about theology and who you follow la 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 but like no one can debate your own story like no one can debate mm-hmm. your own personal testimony so for you and noah and I think this is like a really beautiful thing for you to be able to say like, hey, yeah, this was our conviction, like going into engagement, going into when we were dating. These were the things that we set out and like in, in, in talking in like first person instead of being like, mm-hmm. yes. And because we read The Mingling of Souls by Matt Chandler and The Meaning of Marriage by <laughs> Tim Keller, these are the boundaries that every Christian must set. And not to say I think there is like something about holiness and set apartness and there is mm-hmm. a narrow way that the Lord has like called us to walk. But no one can mm-hmm. no one can argue with your personal story and your personal testimony, um, totally. which is why I think being like, okay, yeah, I can talk about <laughs> I can talk about myself. No one can be like, no, that God didn't say that to you, or like the Holy <laughs> Spirit isn't real. Or I mean, I guess they could argue that, but like the Holy Spirit isn't working in your life, or that didn't happen to you. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's a posture that we can assume that's so powerful. It's like, yeah. And I, and I, and I need to do this more as like, yeah, the Lord, I feel like the Lord was guiding me in this way, or the Lord's really helping us with our house in this way, or the Lord is enabling us to stick to these boundaries that we set before we got married in this way. And it's like really Mm -hmm. cool. So I think there's just a beautiful, um, element. And I think this wraps us up nicely is like, what is the story that your life will tell? Because no one can argue with it. People can mm-hmm. argue with you all day long about like certain things, but like what is the story that your life is telling? What is the story that you are telling with your life and what are you testifying to um, in your own personal story, um, in your own personal experience? So no one can argue with that. So yeah, I love that. Well, I think we're kind of like running out of time a little bit. I, I would literally sit and talk <laughs> with you about these things all day, but I, know, I do want to so know much. there's so much and I feel like yeah, we just covered discernment and beauty, truth, joy, redemption, uh, what's meant for you in First Samuel 16, evangelism within our industry. Like all of these things are really cool. But I would love to know, so our listeners really like to keep up with all the good good that our guests are, you know, <laughs> engaged with. So where can listeners find you? Like what's the best way to keep up with you and your career and your faith and um yeah, what what would you say to our listeners as we wrap up? Yeah, of course. Um, well, where I'm kind of most active and involved is on Instagram, where you can find me at at Ashley Lala, Lala play on Lalan. Um, 
and uh, yeah, two A's at the end, but at Ashley Lala or on my website, ashley-lalons.com is where I often post about new projects or a lot of my professional stuff, but it's really been a joy to chat with you. And it's true. We've just brushed yes. the surface of so many things. And I agree. Yeah. I could chat with you forever about the stories right. we tell. And I think I'm just in awe of a God who is so near and also right. made us in his image. And he speaks to us through stories. That's what we see in the Bible. And it's cool because psychologically and sociologically, we know the power mm-hmm. of stories. One of my right. favorite pastors at Church of the City just talks about stories are literally like the bread of humanity like we eat stories and we live on stories and that's how humans have always communicated and so the story of your life is important and it's powerful and it's a hundred percent guided by god Uh, and there's actually a verse that i want to leave you with Mm -hmm. i'm gonna look it up right now really quick because i need to pull it up so that i don't mess it up but (laughs) obviously cut this out really quick Okay, Mm -hmm. give me one second. I'm going to look up this verse, but it was on my mind as you were sharing that last bit at the end. I think it would be a powerful one to leave everyone with. And so I'm going to pull it up right now. It was actually in our wedding ceremony. Mm. Um, um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, this verse in Acts 17, 24 through 29 is... One of my all-time favorite verses um, or really passages because I think it just speaks like the whole gospel (laughs) in just a few verses and just speaks on the nearness of God and how he is so integrated into all of our stories, even those who don't yet know God. Um, And it says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, yeah. he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he mm-hmm. marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For Mm -hmm. in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. I just love that passage so much. I think it encompasses and is connected to a lot of what we are sharing. So I just wanted to leave all of you with, yeah, Acts 17, 24 through 29. God Mm -hmm. is in your story. He is not far from anyone. And let that be an encouragement to you as you go about your day and you interact, um, as you think about your story, as you think about the Mm -hmm. stories of others that he's weaving together we live and move and have our being in him and God is yeah. not far from any one of you. Yeah. Wow. Amen. And amen. Thank you so much, Ashley, <laughs> for coming on the show. Um, we're excited to keep up with you and your faith and thank you for just, yeah, your, your words and your story, sharing your story with us today. So yes, listeners, if you want to keep up with Ashley, find her on Instagram or on her website. Um, and yeah, we, we love you all. And your story matters. So we'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with your friends. We release new episodes every week. To keep up with what we've got going on, you can follow us on Instagram at nwaybway and head over to our website, nwaybway.com, for even more resources to help equip you as followers of Jesus and artists. We'll see you next time.